Hello, everybody. It is a crossover edition of Locked On Nationals and Locked On Orioles. I am Josh Neighbors, joined by Connor Newcomb. Nationals and Orioles series coming up. This show is brought to you all by rockauto.com. We also thank you for making either Locked On Orioles or Locked On Nationals your first listen. Two ships passing in the night, the Nationals and the Orioles. The Orioles are somehow a better club now than the Nationals are. We'll talk about how that happened, look at the matchups, and more coming up on the show. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Masson boys are back together. Connor Newcomb is joining me. I am Josh Neighbors, host of Locked On Nationals. Connor Newcomb is the host of Locked On Orioles. Uh, Connor, first of all, how are we? How, just generally speaking, life, everything. We don't talk very often, so how are we doing? We're doing good over here. I do think, Josh, now we, we talked about you know what we wanted to discuss on this crossover. We're obviously here because the Beltway battle is happening for the first of two times this year. But I think we're going to escape this episode without – railing on Masson for the first time in a Nationals-Orioles crossover history. We will see, but I think that that is at least the initial plan. So how is are things good on the Orioles side of Masson? Or like, well, yeah, and that, here we go. Um, yeah, I just want to know. I just know. I just, we, I well, mean, we mentioned it, so might as well. You know, Kevin Brown this year uh, signed as the basically full-time TV voice of the Orioles. They had kind of been cycling through some people since they didn't re-sign Gary Thorne. Uh, but Kevin Brown basically took Gary's spot this year. He's amazing. He's the Orioles' best broadcaster. Everybody loves him across the board. He's not Gary Thorne yet, but he's great. So that's been good. Ben McDonald's awesome. I don't know if you've watched any of the College World Series with Ben McDonald yeah, calling the game. He's been on. He's been calling college games forever. Right. And and once he you know he leaves the Orioles for the NCAA tournament, and then once College World Series is over, he comes back. He's he's something else. Um, he had a great moment on the College World Series broadcast uh, the other day that I tweeted out where he literally had no idea who Dua Lipa was. Um, I believe it was Eduardo <laughs> Perez who was in the booth with him made a Dua Lipa reference, and Ben McDonald was just flustered. Incredibly I believe flustered. Is, he's like he's like old school because uh, where is he from? Yeah, so he's from Baton Rouge. Yeah, so he's like old school Southern baseball dude. Yeah, so no, he, he doesn't knew, own a he, he doesn't own a Dua computer. Lipa gonna, just I mean, classic. He has said on, on the air that he owns an iPad and he owns an iPhone. He does not own a laptop or a computer and never has of any kind. He just strikes me as a guy who's like the physical calendar. It's like I have, you know, game yeah. at four. Show up. Yeah. Throw it. yeah. yeah. Um, things are good on the, on the on the national side too. Uh, it is Bob Carpenter who's been there forever. And Kevin Franzen, uh, former national. Obviously, he's been all over the place. So he's there. What's funny is though, Ryan Zerman has joined the pregame, um, the the pregame festivities now. But it's almost like, man, if he had called it quits a little bit earlier, he probably would have been the guy doing color commentary, right? Um, because you know the thing was we talked about this before. Like Masson was cutting down a number of people that were there. They, they got rid of uh, Dan Colco and and Alex Chapel, and they brought Colco back. So like. You know, the fact that they were cutting back before kind of makes you think, you know, they're really going out of their way to bring Zim on, which I thought was really interesting. But I think he's been good so far. And, you know, 
Uh, Dan Coco also appears to be the heir apparent, I think, to, to Bob Carpenter. He's been around for a long time, calling games all over. The, you know, if you live on the East Coast, he's probably called college baseball for you, your team. He's probably called pro baseball for your team. He's called you know lacrosse maybe for your team. So, uh, yeah, I, I think like not many complaints for us in the Madison side, right? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, there's probably more complaints on the baseball side, though. I, I would yes, guess. especially in yes. DC right now. Uh, yes, we will get to that here in one second. First, quick word from our sponsors, RockAuto.com. Uh, our friends there, if you need a part for your car or truck, tires, uh, you know, carpet, upholstery in your car, whatever you guys need, rockauto.com has you covered with the ever-increasing number of makes and models. It's now impossible for you to go to your local chain or auto parts store to get all the parts that you need. Don't endure the often pointless and seemingly intimidating questioning of, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? Uh, don't do that. rockauto.com has you covered. Family-run business. Serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Don't spend 30, 50, even 100% more than you should be at a chain store. Go to rockauto.com today. When you do, write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box. That way they know we sent you. Amazing selection, always low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. All right. So, yeah, baseball side, uh, Connor, this, these two teams aren't great. I like to set up my shows normally by talking about where each team is. In their standings, so we will start with your Baltimore, uh, your Baltimore Orioles. Right now, they are thirty and thirty-eight, twenty games back at the first place Yankees. Which, you know, they're amazing, so it's fine. Um, Seventeen, sixteen at home. I like so I like things like this. That's a positive, right? Above five hundred at home, that is a positive. They have a minus thirty-nine run differential, which, like, in that division, is pretty good actually. You you could do worse. Uh, you could do worse than that. Uh, they are six and four in the last ten. They've won one game, so. Like the Orioles have hit 30 wins a month earlier than they did it last year. Yeah. And, and that's kind of the number one big thing. I mean, they're playing better baseball. And and the big thing with it is I believe they were 7-14 and 14 in April. Since then, the Orioles had a 14-16 and 16 May, which, you know, just under 500. And they are 9-8 and eight so far in June coming into this series against the Nationals. So, you know, they are kind of what they're reminding me of a little bit. And – this isn't going to spell a lot of positive future because the Tigers have been horrendous <laughs> this year. But if you remember last year, the Tigers were the worst team in baseball in April, and then they played over 500 baseball from May on. So everyone thought, all right, Tigers are our sexy pick. They added some people in the offseason. This year, they're going to do it. Well, the Tigers have fallen apart this year. So maybe I don't want to go too far into that comparison, but that's kind of what the Orioles are looking like right now. Terrible April. And then they kind of figure out who belongs on the roster, who doesn't. And all of a sudden, they've got a pretty dominant bullpen. They've got the second-best closer in the American League in Jorge Lopez right now. And again, everybody in the world knows they're going to finish in fifth place because the other four teams are all in a playoff spot right now. Yes. So this division is just terrible for the Orioles to be in right now. But to be 30-38 and 38 right now, and, you know, they're 14 and 19 against the American League East. Like, that's not bad. They were 20 and 56 against the AL East last year. They're 14 and 19 so far this year. Huge improvement against four really, really good baseball teams. So at the end of the day, the O's are still last place team. They're still not close to the playoffs this year. But they are significantly, significantly improved from last year. And... I mean, you want to see progress at this point in this rebuild, and the Orioles are finally getting that. I was about to make, make this make, use the word progress, and I'm so glad you did it because the 
so the big conversation I think I'm sure you've had it too for teams like the Orioles and the Nationals is what what does progress look like, right? Is progress a number of wins? Is progress found in individual performances? All the time, these are questions that that fans, especially I think the fans ask it more often, right? Because internally there are certain goals. Like it's it's icing on the cake if you win a certain amount of games, right? But really internally they have goals of like, all right, these, you know, which players are we keeping long-term? Which young players do we want to be at certain points where? And so that's a big question, right? Like what does progress look like? Are the Orioles at a point now where you're starting to look at win numbers or are you at a point where the Orioles where you're like, no, it's just, it's all about, I hate to say individuals, but like, it's all about, Hey, certain guys. And if some guys are step up and are unexpected and they can keep them around, that's great. Or if they turn to the trade assets, that's great. Cause that's kind of where I'm at with the nationals. Are you looking at win numbers, the Orioles, or are you, you know, is it a little combination of both the individual performances and wins? Yeah. I think last year was definitely the last year where you could say the win number isn't at least equally as important as the development. Right. And that was shown by the Orioles' 52-110 and record, which ended up tied with Arizona for the worst record in baseball. And through the tiebreakers, the Orioles got the number one pick Mm -hmm. once again. This year, you had to show some progress because, you know, this is a date that hasn't been, like, set in stone by Mike Elias or the front office. But a year that's kind of been alluded to by him a little bit and by some of the, you know, the bigger-name writers who cover the team and the fans have kind of latched on that, like, in the offseason between 2022 and 2023, which would be this upcoming offseason, the Orioles will spend at least a little money. And 2023 becomes the year where they're at least competitive in the AL East. Now, no one has said playoffs or title contender or whatever, but competitive. And so you can't just go from 52 wins to competitive. Like, you got to <laughs> hit 70 in there at some point before you get into the 80s. And right. once you're at least a 500 team, you're competitive. Like, the Phillies finished basically 500 last year, but I would call them a, a competitive baseball team all mm-hmm. year. Now they were a hilarious competitive baseball team, but they were competitive. They You're still sure. are hilarious. Yeah, they still are. I would say very much still hilarious, yeah. even though they're good. Um, but the O's are on pace right now for 70 wins. And at the end of the day, if you can go from 52 to 70 without bringing in anyone in free agency, I did an episode last week ranking the Orioles uh, seven free agents that they brought in. Most of them were on minor league deals, a couple waiver claims. It's ugly. So if they bring in literally anyone next offseason, maybe you can go from 70 to 81. So this year, to answer your question, it's kind of the first year where the wins matter because guys are here. The bullpen is starting to come together. You know, you're getting more than just looks at guys. You know, they're, they're kind of starting to cement themselves on the roster. And yeah, it's nice that more wins are coming when they matter more, but you also have to take that next step next year. And that probably starts in the off season. But at the end of the day, it's like the O's added Jordan Lyles and Rugnet Odor and are on a plus 18 win pace. Right. I, I, well, obviously they added Adley Rutschman too, but you know, that, that's generally a positive. Yeah. I, I, you know, what's so interesting about these teams is like they're, the divisions are really similar, right? I mean, they are facing you know, these massive, massive, um, I call them, I call them like conglomerates, right? Like it's like the Yankees are a, are a fortune 500 company, right? At this point in time, the Red Sox, you know, they still spend a decent amount of money. You know, like you're not bringing in Trevor Story and be like, yeah, we're fine with being average, whatever. You know, the, the, clearly the Blue Jays want to win. I think the one thing that I'm not sure if this, tell me what you think here, negative or positive, having the raise in the division, right? Having them be the 
the the the Kmart, you know, the discount store that that does it somehow. Every not once again, I'm not to mean their players, but like you know, they'll make trades to make to make position, make money for trades that they make. They're not willing to say, all right, we'll take it all in one year. No, they, they make moves to make moves. Um, is that negative or positive? Because in some ways it shows that you can get it done, but also they feel like such an outlier, don't they? With the way they're able to consistently do it. Yeah. In terms of like how it affects the Orioles, it's a negative on this, on the place that the one other team that isn't spending in your right. division is, winning. is also winning three divisions in a row. So, and went to the world series in 2020. So <laughs> in that way, it's like, wow, you know, in just a vacuum, you would think, well, this team doesn't spend anything. You can at least hope to jump to fourth and then go from there. But they are the best run, probably, you know, front office in, you know, past. There's an, there's an argument like in pro sports. Yeah. I mean, there's an argument. Then, But sports, yeah. I would say the positive side is I don't want the Orioles to become the race. Mm-hmm. I want them to mm-hmm. look more like Toronto or Boston, at least by the end of this. I don't want them to become the team that is flipping, you know, unless you're Wander Franco, they're flipping you after six years and, you know, right. going on to the next guy. But at least there's a blueprint for how to win in this AL East spending like they are. And the O's are building up in the way that Tampa did. And they've showed the blueprint. And it's not just the last couple of years. I mean, they were in the World Series in 2008 as well. Like they've, you know, they go through their little dips where they'll have two years where they just kind of reset everything and then they come right back to it. But it's kind of, it's a give and take because A, it's like, if they can do it, we can do it. On the other side, it's like, It'd be nice to have somebody to maybe be able to beat up on one year. And I'm also a little concerned because the last time the Orioles were good, I mean, you know, 2014, they won the AL East. The Yankees were so old. It was like at the end of Jeter, the end of A-Rod, they were holding on to those guys too long. And they just hadn't embraced that like a prospect can help you too. And that, you know, a good farm system can help you too. And and the Red Sox were off a, a World Series hangover and just kind of weren't caring. And everything bounced right for the Orioles. And I feel that those kind of weird years for the Yankees and Red Sox just aren't going to come as much now because they used to just be, we'll spend our way out of it. And now they're like, we can still spend our way out of it. And we have a great front office and we have a great analytics department and we have a great farm system. So it, it's going to be tough moving forward, um, but at least the Rays have showed you can do it. So maybe the O's can do it too. Yeah, it's <laughs> the, 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 that's what makes the AL East like just fascinating. Although I will say this, you see the guys that are getting it done for like the Yankees and it's, you know, if they went, if they did that thing where they just like average next year for the first you know month, kind of like last year, they were average for a very long time last year. Like it wouldn't totally shock me, although it feels like they figured it out now. But the problem is, I mean, yeah, the Red Sox always feel like they're just looming right there. They're always a year away from making a couple changes and going for it. Toronto's always, they're obviously super interested in the Rays. Like you said, they can reset whenever they want. Um, I will. I want to say. I want to mention this. Like, Washington has has more pro sports than Baltimore does. I, I I firmly believe Baltimore is a better baseball city, and I also firmly believe the league is better when the Orioles are better. I think it's just. I think it's a good brand. I think it's a really good East Coast brand. I think it's one of the most slept on brands in all of pro sports. The Orioles are so shout out to the Orioles fans out there. I know you guys are awesome fan base. You know, just want to give you guys that props. Um, you wanted to talk about this though how these two teams kind of cross paths. So I will say the one thing Washington does well is get behind a winner, not saying they're fair weather, but like the, the capitals have been one of the best supported teams in the NHL 
in the last 20, 25 years. And, and that's with them crapping out in the playoffs constantly. But people keep coming back, coming back, coming back, and getting disappointed. They keep coming back, coming back, and coming back, coming back. Got a title, get disappointed again. So got like, the cup, got the one cup. Yeah, yeah. got a cup, got the cup. But like, th- th- I will say this: Washington was very, they're very good at attaching themselves, and they keep supporting, keep supporting, keep supporting. This this transition has been a weird one that we that we've seen because really, like, I think that eighteen title for the Caps. Are you a Caps fan? I always forget. Yes, I am. So like, really got to be appreciated, right? The 19 title doesn't get the the shine because COVID happened after it. And so there wasn't this full stands, you know, next year we're enjoying it. Even though it's a hangover, you know, we're enjoying it. And oh, let's see if we can push them through. Like it was a 60-game season where things went com- like completely sideways. And then in a year where they had some people in the stands, you know, by the time that we have that full stands back, it's like a month in and then all the guys are gone. And so it's been this thing where it's like, the Nationals fans kind of blink twice. They've been punched in the mouth a few times here, and the Orioles are by them, which feels like it was unfathomable a couple of years ago, right? Yeah, I mean, you got a team that wins a title in 2019, and and this will maybe I don't know if this will offend the Nationals fans listeners, but I wouldn't say it's the most. It can't un- be more offensive than the play on the field. So yes, I, think you're I wouldn't say it's the most undeserved title that's happened in the in the the 21st century because they rode three hot relievers and Steven Strasburg and Max Scherzer, of course, and just kind of rode those guys. And Juan Soto turned himself into a superstar, and like they had the pieces of a championship team. Yeah. But the thing, just the way that team was built, and it was just like a couple stars and some old guys on their last legs, and the way they got through that postseason, obviously with the Trent Grisham play and Joe Kelly still pitching in Game Five, and you know clearly they dominated the, the NLCS. But that Cardinals team was downright horrendous. I don't know how they got to the NLCS. Yeah, that was that, that was the. Yeah. I, I'll tell you what, I was like, this this going to be a sweep. Uh, I, yeah. I felt pretty good about that one. Yeah, yeah you're right. Again, they were a good team. Like I'm not saying this bad team showed up, but like. Right. They, you know, the whole 19 and 31 thing, like there was a reason they were 19 and 31. Like this team wasn't like uber talented. This is like the least depth from any champion we've seen in a while in Major League Baseball. So it makes sense that they would take a step back over the next couple of years. But to be here where, I mean, not only in record are the Orioles better. I mean, the O's have what, four more wins right now, I believe. The Nats have 26 wins going into the series. But my question is like, you know, they still went and added a little bit and you know with Josh Bell and Nelson Cruz and those are kind of duct tape on a getting traded they're getting you know, traded they're yeah. getting well, traded. those guys yeah. are getting traded too we know that and yeah. you know Strasburg basically hasn't pitched since the World Series he came Which back for sad, one, one right? start went right back on the injured list and i get that and obviously Scherzer leaves in free agency after trading him and they trade Turner so you get why they're losing more cuz they traded some of their pieces but like this is a long-winded way of saying, how did it get so bad that, like, I think if anyone just looked at the Nats roster, and maybe it's just because of Juan Soto and and guys like that, but they wouldn't say, like, the Orioles have definitely more talent, a lot more talent than the Nationals. Like, how did it so, get this bad? I've been thinking about this, and I want to get your your thoughts about this. Like the the Astros, in my opinion, have done a really good job of window maintenance. Uh, I just want to call it, you know, not like physical windows, but like obviously championship window maintenance, right? They've only got one, but they've been they've been there a bunch. Think about the Nationals. You know, they won the division. Uh, I forget how many times between twelve and and nineteen. They had four, I think it was four out of seven or eight, whatever it was. They were there a whole lot. 
So they they won it at like the last stage of the window. Like, give it to you this way. Like, imagine if the Capitals won the championship now. Like, yeah. like this year they had won it. I think that's kind of what it's like. I th- because think about it this way too. So the choice between um, Strasburg and Rendon, right? Either way, it would have been an abject failure. Yeah, Rendon's guys, done for the year. Yeah, he's been, he's done for, yeah, exactly. And and so you know, I think Stevens played a lot less than Rendon has, obviously. And even even if you scale it out, pitchers wise versus position player wise, he still played less. Um, but the, a bill for success always comes due. It's why Tyreek Hill is currently in the Miami Dolphins. There is a bill. Rent comes due for when you win win championships, and for the Nationals, it was rent was due in terms of age for some of those players. Adam Eaton was done. Zim, Zim was actually I'll, I'll give Brian Zim this pretty good off the bench bat last year, but like the, the innings tax, we saw it with the Giants to pay the innings tax when they had that every other year thing. The off year was the innings tax, right? And Strasburg paid it. I'm not even sure if Corbin's paying the innings tax. He's just Bandel, which is something totally different. He's just horrible now. Um, but like it comes due with all that stuff. And so I think they just won a title at the back stretch of a window that, yeah, look, they want it to be longer, right? The, the reason why you pay Strasburg, you pay Corbin, there should have been some time where Strasburg, Corbin, Scherzer overlapped just a little bit. And you maybe get a year or two more of, of you know, of success. Um so I just think timing. I think timing and circumstance is all of that. But the Nationals are in a spot now where like Josh Bell is Josh Bell's been their best player, right? This is a team that won a World Series in 2019. A guy who wasn't on the team then has been their best player this year. And they're twenty what, twenty-two games under five hundred? Yeah. So it's it's timing and circumstance. That's a lot of stuff in sports, a lot of stuff in life. But like timing and circumstance is all of it. The question is, the, the team's up for sale now. So who buys it? Who runs it? Who manages it? Crazy things to ask after you win a championship that's short. But, you know, that's a long way of saying, I guess, you know, things happen in weird ways. Yeah. Timing. At, yeah. And you talk about ownership, too. Like the Orioles are having their own whole ownership right. situation right. Yeah, yeah. with, oh, yeah. a, you know, a brother suing the other. And, you know, yeah. that's that, that's a whole other podcast. But I get I guess we we can you know bring it back to to this series in a second, but I'll hit our I'll hit our built bar ad ahead, right here Knock before we uh, we get to what's going on in this quick little two game series at Camden Yards. But we'll talk about built bar because listen, if you listen to Locked On Oreos or Locked On Nationals, you know how our friends at Built Bar are always coming out with amazing new flavors. Well, this time Built has truly outdone themselves with their new mud pie flavor. Have and you had it for yet? The first time ever. Have you had it yet? Well, no, I've not had the mud pie, but just oh. reading. Just reading oh, the ingredients, no. I can give it the I can give it everything. That, yeah, we need. Connor <laughs> is delicious. Well, there's your endorsement right there from it's Josh. Delicious. There's your endorsement. It's the best one they've done so far. I'm dead but, ass serious. But if you're not, you know, sure what mud pie tastes like, well, if you're a chocolate fan, you better sit down for this. The new mud pie is rich whipped cream and chocolate mousse smothered in 100% real chocolate and topped with cookies and cream crumble. And if you saw Josh just go full Surrender Cobra right there, um, that is basically your invitation to check out the Mud Pie Bar. You will not regret it. Stop drooling. Get to Built.com to order your box of Mud Pie Bars and Puffs as well right now. So go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCK15, and get 15% off your order of that box of Mud Pie Bars or whatever your favorite flavor is. Again, use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. So now that everybody's hungry, 
I hope you're also hungry for a beltway battle. Orioles, Nationals, what a transition. Uh, two teams that uh, have 30 wins or less right now. And so this is where I wanted to start with quickly kind of previewing these two games because we'll get two more games at Nats Park later in the season. So the Orioles haven't officially named their starters as we talk. I have a pretty good idea of who they're going to start. Jordan Lyles was supposed to start Sunday. He got a stomach bug. He's probably going to be pushed back for one of these games. And then most likely Tyler Wells, who's been the Orioles' best starter this year, will start the other one. So, you know, a lot of of, of headline names going in this series. But I wanted to to pose to you. So Eric Fetty and Patrick Corbin are the two probables for this series. If the Nationals, for some reason, needed to win one game right now, would you send Eric Fetty or Patrick Corbin to the mound? Eric Fetty? I mean, I think it's it's where we're at. Um, Patrick Corbin is like embarrassingly bad uh he he is at a point and this is this is not new this is 2020 this is 2021 2022 his best ability is availability like he's out there but he's just getting rocked basically every time last outing uh he got lucky because an error happened but he gave up eight runs and you know two of them were earned (laughs) because of an error at an inning, but like, you know, he followed up an error with like a double and two home runs. I mean, this, this guy cannot, he's, he's fallen behind everybody. The slider, you know, when it's coming, confidence is clearly shot. Um, You know, so I would not send him out there. Eric Fetty is like just pretty average. So average can win you a game more often than abject failure can. So I will go with Eric Fetty. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's 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 the truth after what Patrick Corbin did to to help this Nats team, obviously, win a World Series. Yeah, yeah, the uh, Patrick Q. Orban, not great, not great. Yeah, um, but uh, on the O side, you know, Tyler Wells, Rule 5 pick last year, reliever mm-hmm. last year, O's have made him into a starter, and he does not walk anyone. Like, legitimately, if he walks two guys, something weird happened. And he'll go five or six innings. Now he doesn't strike out a ton of guys, but he's really efficient. He's really fun to watch pitch. Big, huge, like six five right hander. And then Jordan Lyles is Jordan Lyles. He's a veteran righty. He eats innings. He's not anything super special, but that's probably who the O's will throw out there. I mean, they just Bruce Zimmerman, who was their ace early in the year, would have started one of these games. He's literally given up fifteen homers in his last six starts. I was saying, are, we, are we gonna put ace? Are we putting yeah. ace in quotations? Yes. But uh, he's in AAA now, so uh, you know they're they're lucky they got the off day Monday to kind of reset the rotation right now. But I mean, listen, we know uh, Tyler Wells right now is the best of the four pitchers who will be pitching in this series, and I don't think Tyler Wells really moves the needle for a lot of people outside of Baltimore. So I guess we turn to the offense, and you mentioned Josh Bell being the best hitter on this team. Where are we with Juan Soto right now? Because I know he's not godlike Juan Soto so far this year but he's heating up a little bit. So where are we in the Juan Soto 2022? Uh, He's been bad by his standards, pretty bad. He's hit 14 runs. So, you know, that's good. He's on pace for 30 plus home runs. Um, You know, really bad, really bad with runners on scoring position. That's been his struggle. And also he's not hitting lefties. Those are the two big things guys on, and he's not hitting lefties very well, walking a whole lot, but just not the guy who's making you, Give me something in the strike zone, and you know, I'm going to make something happen. You know, there, there are a lot of times where guys, a lot. So here's what happens: a lot of the times, guys will throw something out of the zone against him, and part of the time he's taking it and he's walking, and part of the time he's trying to make something happen. 
And I think that to me is kind of the breakdown there. It's it's it can be pretty simple. Um, there are some pitches in the zone that have gotten. I mean, maybe a challenge fastball here or there, but a lot of times stuff out of the zone. And he's like, it's a good count. I want to make something happen in this count. And he's getting you know like there's a reason why the walk numbers are high. Also, a reason why the batting average isn't very very high either. So I think those two things kind of go hand in hand. His select, you know, I would just rather watch him walk a whole lot. And um, I actually think there's. There's a chance that maybe in a weird world he should be not, he should be a leadoff hitter. I think there is a planet where maybe he should be a leadoff hitter, especially if he's hitting this way. I think he's better off towards the front of the lineup, maybe. Yeah, I get behind that. Yeah. Um, wanted to finish this up at least with kind of you know the way these. Can, 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 hold on, quick, hold on. can we do Adley Rushman? Can we talk about this really oh, fast? Oh, well, we can talk How's about Adley Rushman, of course. How's of that course. been? I mean, you know, the greatest one of the greatest viral moments of the last couple of years in baseball. I mean. Him enjoying the him enjoying yes. the moment, I should say. Yes. Uh, how's it I, been I would, so far? So he was not hitting early, and some people went crazy. But if you look at what Bobby Witt and Julio Rodriguez did their first three weeks in the big leagues, I mean, Julio Rodriguez literally just went up and struck out like every time he went to the plate his first two weeks. Now he's the best hitter on the Mariners. Adley is making that turn over the last week. He is hitting over 300 in his last nine games. He finally hit his first home run in Toronto on Wednesday night. Uh, he's starting to drive the ball, more extra base hits. Um, and he's a just an elite defensive catcher. I mean, his framing is ridiculous. He's got a above average throwing arm and his pop time is is you know good enough where the arm is not elite, but he still throws runners out. Mm-hmm. Obviously a switch hitter. He's already become a leader on this team. I mean he's 24 years old. He's a rookie. And you know he he's got such a great relationship with all these pitchers. I mean Jorge Lopez uh, strikes out Brett Phillips on Sunday to end the game and clinch a, a series win over the Rays, a team that beat the Orioles 18 out of 19 in 2021. The Orioles have now won back-to-back series against the Rays this year, and they close out a 2-1 to one win over the Rays to win the series, and Adley is just fired up. I mean, catches the strikeout and leaps up, like throws the hockey-style mask off, pumps himself up, like sprints out to Jorge Lopez at the mound. I mean, he just brings the juice that the Orioles have had from some guys, like some guys like Rugnet Odor and Mm -hmm. and Austin Hayes and others, like do bring the juice to this team. But like Adley's at a whole nother level at times. He's been so fun to watch over the past week now that he started hitting as well. And he's just, he's basically penciled into fifth in the lineup right now. You know, it's not like, hey, we're hitting you second or third, you know, carry us to the promised land. But we know you're one of the better hitters on this team. So he's just kind of penciled into fifth when he plays. Um, he's DHing a little bit to you know save his knees early in his career, but but still catching you know three to four times a week. It's just been awesome. And you know he's not he's not Juan Soto, and he's not as good as Juan Soto was immediately when he came up either. So it's a little bit of a different thing. But I mean it's been it's been generally awesome. Generally awesome. I'm happy for you. I'm very yeah. happy for you. So yeah. my last thing I wanted to do is because of these two teams and how they're built. I would have a good feeling that there's at least one guy on each team who's producing who the general fan of the other side has never heard their name. So I will give you the Orioles. There's a couple of Orioles versions. I'll give you the Orioles guy first, then I'll have you give the Nats guy to, to finish this up. But for the O's, there's probably a couple of guys you could pick out here. I mean, Austin Hayes is having his breakout year, but he's been around for long enough that that I think Nats fans may who knew, know who he is. Jorge Lopez, who I just mentioned, has a .8 ERA as the Oriole closer. He's His numbers mirror what Zach Britton did in 2016, which is just ridiculous. But I will give you a name that Nats fans probably don't know, and that is Felix Bautista. He is about a six foot seven, 
270-pound right-handed reliever who's basically acting as the Orioles' setup man right now. He throws 101 miles an hour from over the top, has basically the highest spin fastball in baseball. So because it's so fast and spins so much, and he throws it from all the way over the top, and he's 6'7", the ball basically starts up here and rises. And it's impossible to hit. Then he has just a fall-off-the-table splitter and kind of a bad slider I wanted to stop throwing. But he is ridiculous. He'll pitch the seventh or the eighth. He It's just hilarious to see him get out there on the mound. He's so much bigger than everybody else. Like, he's bigger than Aaron Judge. And he's just pounding fastballs by guys. Um, and people are starting to kind of know who he is out of the Oriole bullpen. He spent eight years in the minor leagues because he couldn't throw strikes. He was throwing 99, but he didn't know where it was going. So he spent eight years in the minor leagues before finally getting to the bigs. His walk rate in his first big league season this year is lower than any walk rate he had in the minors, which is just the weirdest thing in the world. You would think anomaly is what we call that. Send it the other way. Yeah. So I have a couple guys in mind you might mention, but who is kind of the Nats version? Can be a hitter, can be a pitcher. Well, you know, I know Orioles fans know nothing about Michael Franco, a player they've never heard (laughs) anything about. Uh, You know, Michael Franco is second at bats on this team. Uh, so I just want to just want to shout this out for the Orioles fans um, out there. He's had a really nice offensive season. He is third in runs driven in. He is ahead of Juan Soto in runs driven in this year. So there, there you go. Uh, shout out Michael Franco. Um, another one of those guys you mentioned, like the minor league deals thing, that he was one of those guys in the minor league deal. Um, well, so I'm going to give you a couple young guys. K. Bear Ruiz, maybe you heard about him. The only reason you would have is because he was in that trade. Uh Catcher. So if you're looking at Adley, Adley's counterpart on the other side, another young catcher, K. Barrett Ruiz, who has been fantastic. This guy has got, a, he's got a better arm than Adley. I would say Adley's probably the better athlete, actually, out of the two. You mentioned like Adley's jump time, his reaction time, really, really good. He's a little better of an athlete. K. Barrett's got the arm, though. He has got a pistol for an arm. And so he's, he's been throwing guys out, um, backpicking. I mean, he's, he's got the full arsenal. So he's been fantastic, and at the play, he's been really good too. Also, Luis Garcia, no, 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 not the not the pitcher from the uh, you know if you Google if you Google Luis Garcia, the first one you get is going to be the Astros pitcher, and not you know, the this other one, pitcher. not the other, yeah, no, not the other pitcher. Yeah. It is uh, the the national shortstop who came up to replace you know Alcides Escobar. So we had to do that again this year. Um, he was raking in AAA in 19 games. He's hit 360 so far. In the big leagues, he's a kid. He is going to make mistakes in the field. He's fun to watch, though, and he's a big part of the Nationals' future. He just came up and started hitting immediately. So, K. Bear Ruiz, a young guy named Michael Franco, the Orioles fans know nothing about. And also, I'll give you Luis Garcia, too. Those, those, those guys. Also, maybe Yadiel Hernandez in the back of the lineup, too. So, there, there you go. There are some guys. Yeah, I think the general baseball population, probably not tuning in for this series, but we know Orioles fans don't like the Nationals. I don't really know how Nationals fans feel about the Orioles, but, uh, it's the massive is there dislike? Battle. Hold on, is this is there dislike here? There I is. feel like it's a whole lot of people go to the games who are like, "Oh, I'm a Nats fan. He's a he's a nose fan. This will be fun." There's some there's some dislike. I think it's because of just the Nats coming in, and obviously there's some old Orioles fans who became Nationals fans, and I think True. people don't like that. I True. think you know a lot of the massive lawsuit has to do with the Angeloses, but it also has to do with just the existence of the Nats kind of brought <laughs> that on. That's very fair. Um, and so I think some, some people have some gripes there, but we got O's Nats. So take us out, Josh. We, we got O's, we got Nats. The people listening are going to be watching. Maybe not a lot of other people, but the people listening to this pod are going to be. Watching. Yes. We know you all who are listening are going to be watching Connor. 
One more thing from you. Tell people where they can find you and your work and all of its variety. Yeah, so at Connor Newcomb underscore on Twitter and at Locked on Orioles on Twitter. And then wherever you get Locked on Nationals podcast-wise, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Pods, wherever you can also get Locked on Orioles. You guys can find me on Twitter at Josh Neighbors underscore. You guys can find the show at LO underscore Nationals. You guys can find the show over your podcasts and on YouTube as well. Connor, it's a pleasure. It's the Masson Bowl. Enjoy, everybody.